There's such a thing called God's sovereignty. Oops. God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Two things. First is God's sovereignty. So God predecides and determines what's going to outcome. Big pictures. But man's responsibility, your actions have to go together. God doesn't run us like a robot. God gives us freedom of the choice, the willpower. But the willpower eventually will flow in with what he wants because he's God. He said it beforehand. But he doesn't tell you to, oh, tomorrow go to visit somebody. Oh, when are you going to have your lunch? No, he doesn't do that. He, he only predestines the big, big destiny questions. But even if you run out of his, what he destined and pre-planned for your life, for example, he said, go this way, he pre-planned, but you go your way this way. Eventually, you will come back to this way. Do you understand? That's what it is. You, he gives you the, the freedom of choice to go left or right in all this. But eventually, if, if you deviate from his way, you will learn <laughs> very fast because it's going to be a lot of hard times. And you're going to be so bruised and, and beaten out to come back to his way. Now, his way is not easy, you know. God's way is not like, it's the best way, but the best is not the easiest either. That's the thing. You see, the best for Jesus is not easy, right? The best for Peter and Paul, not easy. Peter and Paul, I mean, had the most fantastic ministries and all this. And guess what? They all murdered. Okay? They all died for the gospel. So uh, the, the predestination and uh, human responsibility, God's sovereignty and human responsibility go hand in hand together. So really important that you know that so that you, and also you can be have the comfort assurance that it will be well. It shall be well. Because in the end, <laughs> that's what matters. In the end, God's elect. The other words you need to know is on what you call God's elect. I haven't really talked to you about this, right? I'll just share a little bit with you. Elect is the invisible church. The visible church does, does not mean everyone in the visible church is going to heaven. There are people who may come to church you know, all their lives or whatever. They may not even get in. Why? Because they're not really walking with God. But sometimes they go, comes once a month, whatever that the case may be. But there are people out there who are not in church yet. They will be in heaven for one day. They are part of the elect because they will come in later on. That's called elect. Elect, you see, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the book of Revelations and also the epistles, God said for the, Jesus said, for the sake of elect, God has shortened the time of severe antichrist persecutions. Three, three and a half years. It's, it's always that number. Very consistent, the number. And for the sake of who? Elect. God already knows who he's going to bring in. Because he's the one who brings them in. So those he brings in, he for the sake of elect. Because if he doesn't shorten those severe persecutions, will all be gone. Because no one can handle it anymore. You know? So God's grace, gracious. So this is the mystery of God. Uh, the Arminianism, which is believe your free will. You choose whatever you want. God only knows beforehand, but he has no power to determine for you. In the, in the, so that, that diminished God's glory and God's power. It's very hard to argue for that. So it's just a very high-level picture. But you have to do your work. You see, God is, God is sovereign, but he wants you to respond and do your part together. Does that help? Yeah, hang on, let me just get to Ming. She, she asked a question. Yeah, I think just like what you said, you know, the sovereignty of God 
response to that reverence in him mm -hmm. goes together. Yeah. Because it's not, yeah. Because it's not just a mechanical actions, you know. Or he he's sovereign. I, I'm just trying to do my part. That's no. If you say, the fact that you say I'm just doing my part, that would be wrong. Because you got to say I have a deep love for him. I will, I'm revere him. He's such a. I'm all. God is awesome. I'm doing this because he really is awesome. He 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 paid his life for me, and I he loves me so much. It's a relationship response. Got that? So it cannot be like, okay, God, you are sovereign. I do my part. No, 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 no. It's all flesh and blood. We also need together. It's even closer than father, father, mother, parents, and children. That kind of, or even husband and wife. That kind of thing, you know, because that is, that is a picture. You know, we are so in love with God, so deep. And we still fall. We still sin, right? And, and then, but we have deep reverence. When you have deep reverence for God, you never fall away. You know, you always hear him. You say, "Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't let this uh, sin come and come and devour me." It's called deem, deem, uh, uh, mortification of sin. You know, killing sins. Like Paul, even Paul he said, "There's a beast inside me. There's an animal inside me. I mean, there's a sin inside me. I have to kill it. I slay it every day." Paul said, "I'm so. He's like this. I preach so powerfully. Teach so many." Planted churches and all this stuff, I'm worried that I may be disqualifying myself. You see that? That's a fear, the greatest fear of all preachers, you know. Because bottom line, you have to walk with God yourself and love God. You know? It's really important. I mean, frankly, that's why I say ministry is one thing, you know. But really, I want the Lord more, much more than the ministry. You got that? You know? Or else ministry becomes an idolatry. It would be terrible. You know? Yeah, yeah, because people like a big church, and uh, you know, people come in, and it's great. The tithings go up, membership goes up, and you preach, and people podcast, download, watch sermons, whatever. Not that's that's far secondary. The primary thing is my heart. Me and my family will serve the Lord. And the David, you know, David's a really great man. I mean, I long for the Lord. That's what we need. I long for the Lord. I. I, I, I seek him, God hear me. David's the most successful king, right? And yet, and yet, how much struggles he has to go through? Because it is precisely the struggles make him so close to God. If you don't have struggles in your life, you never grow close to God. Oh, I just wanted to answer Ben's question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the early church father, I think it was Irenaeus, he, he dealt with that same issue. Said this. He said, God created us without us, but He will not save us without us. Say it again. Say it again. God created us mm -hmm. without us, but He will not save us without us. Yeah. He will not save us without us. You get that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Arania say that? So eventually we are part of the big picture in the end. So well, we, we will not be able to. God is not going to do a. I mean, God called Moses to finish the work together. You know. I mean, God called Saul, he fell. God called Solomon, he fell. You know. So, but God's grieved when, when, when Solomon and, and Saul 
you know, betray him and all this stuff. But that, that, that's a human language, by the way. That is so that you understand how he feels. So it's for your sake. God is not grieved. God is not impacted by shock, surprises, disappointment. He's beyond that. Sorry, what's your question? Yeah, so, so you, you mentioned God called Saul before he failed. Old Testament, Old Testament. I know, I know. I'm just saying. So, so God. Saul had the chance to be saved, but he he he, he blew it. Yeah. He, he blew it. That's right. That's right. So what happened to Saul? God did not make a mistake, so to speak. God allowed that to happen at that point of time for Israel in that context, in His utmost mystery. Only He knows. And I, and I also say in the, in the, in the TikTok say, the sovereignty of God submits to no man. God's sovereignty answers to no man. He doesn't need to answer you and I. Like Job, you know, answer God. God came with a mighty wing. Where were you? When I, this, this, this world was created, where were you? Job is like dumbfounded, just like melt before God. There are mysteries of God you can never touch. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, like King Nebuchadnezzar, he's so bad. He's probably worse than Saul, but somehow King Nebuchadnezzar, at the end, he came to God. <laughs> all these great... Yeah, all, all these, uh, you know, all these uh, what do you call, atheist, evil kings. And God used them to fulfill his purpose, and then God judged the evil king, too. It's, it's a means to achieve his end, and then he judged the means. God sent the, the children of Israel 400 years under slavery, under Pharaoh. Who put them there? Not, not Pharaoh. It's God. God put them in, this, in that slavery. And, and to break them, to really whatever that is, just crush them. And you know, if God did not bring them into slavery, there's no exodus. Do you see that? Without exodus, how does God show the people, I am your God? People say, you are my God. What have you done? But after Exodus, God said, I'm your God. Walk before me. People melt. People have reverence. You see that? God is a mastermind. He does everything. From outside, sometimes you may look at it. It's like, so bad, God. Why did you let them under slavery 400 years? Then you tell me. You can tell God, why such a bad idea? You let your son die on the cross and bleed on the cross? See? God needed slavery. If I say need is in a very word, I don't really mean it, but you know what I mean. God put it there so that he created Exodus. What do you think Jesus died on the cross? God created this world. He set it up for his son to die there to show you how much I love you. Does it make sense? That's the best I can get because he predetermined everything. It's not like, oops, Adam fell. The father talked to the son and the son and the Holy Spirit have an emergency meeting. Oh my gosh. Our first man fell, went to, to Satan, Satan, in, Satan, Shaitan, you know, Satan in, in Hebrew. What are we going to do? No, 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 God already knew. Okay. All right. So much. That's a good question. Interesting, right? The sovereignty of God is very, very important. Okay, I, I want you to know so that you, you know. Uh, whatever bad things you see in the world, don't be shocked. It's already prophesied. It's right in the Bible. So Bible is like tomorrow morning's newspaper headline. 
So we just go along with it and, and walk with God and be encouraged. Don't say like, oh God, where are you? You know, people say kind of things. Here, he is coming back. He's going to, they're going to sweep it, wrap it up. But meantime, he's still also working very strong. You know, without this antichrist thing, you and I would never be strong. We need a hard time to become strong. So God allowed it. Some hard times are always good. But God will not let you be tempted or tested beyond you can bear. Amen? That's in the scripture, right? You know that. So God will allow testing and trials come to your life, but not, not too far. God will say, so far it goes. That's how much he's in control. And then you'll be really arrogant. Like Moses, he thinks he's the, he's the man. He is the man, but not yet. And God pushed, take him out for 40 years to look after sheep. You know, after that, he comes back. He is really the prince of Egypt. I mean, he, the man is ready. God works through your mistakes. Through our mistakes. Any other questions? Any thoughts about uh, anything from your sermon or anything? Actually, they do Q&A, you know, in, uh, in Redeemer. I'm trying to get that. Right after? Right after. Oh, wow. The, the Q&A is more no, for... Uh, it's for those who want to stay behind. So oh, oh, the rest so like a Sunday school. Yeah. But Q&A focus. Yeah. So Q&A for seekers, for people who want to ask about God, so the pastor will be able to answer questions. But the, probably like 90% will be gone outside having coffee. The, the whole will be those people who want to stay behind to ask further questions. And also the new people who want to know more about God, they'll come in and join. Tim Keller did it. Oh, man, this is the way he rocked it, man. He just, he just took the church to a few thousand people in Manhattan because... I think this, it was a timing for him, for God to really do it. And because he is so well-read intellectually, contemporary with culture, so he connected with Manhattanites and tell them the story. And because of all these non-believers struggling, what about sex? What about this? All these questions. Where is God in sufferings? All these questions. And he answered them. He prepared for them. Every time they ask a question, he learned more things. So finally, he come together. He produced a book, New York Times bestseller, The Reason for God. If you, if you have a chance to get that book, get that book to read. Uh, so that's how he, and he, he brings a lot of this into his sermons. And, the, and the very, very successful because they had very meaningful, deep conversations in the time after the service. Because those were real life experiences oh, yeah. and insight that he gained in his interaction. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I thought we can do a little bit of that, but that will require you to bring the non-believer friends or seeking friends you know, to come. I think this morning we did pretty good, right? We had a very good. That's probably the highest turnout as well.
Okay, so uh, if you have no more questions, let me continue with what we talk about this. Uh, uh, the question today is how many things are necessary for you? Charlie's not joining us, John? Hmm? Charlie. How many things are necessary for you to know that you in this comfort may live and die happily? First one, we remember we talked about, this is Heidelberg, okay? Charlie gave me this book. It's, it's similar to uh, Westminster, so, but it's, uh, my professor told me that Heidelberg is more pastoral, Westminster is more doctrinal. So, but basically say the same thing, all right? So let me just go through this one. How, last time we talked about what is your main comfort in life and death. Can you, somebody say that? We are not our own, um, but both uh, life and death, body and soul, belong to God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Huh? So that one is done, right? So today we can look at question two. How many things are necessary for you to know? That you in this comfort may live and die happily. Three things. Number one, how great are my sins and miseries are. Number two, how I am delivered from all my sins and misery. Number three, how I am thankful to God for such deliverance. All right, so catechism is very systematic going through, right? Uh, begins with a question. Um, so, so these questions knows that we need comfort. So the question is that, what, what comfort? You see, God is not just uh, like requiring you to do, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not. It's all sound very legalistic, right? But there's another side of it. God is a God of comfort. So that's this question deals with. So God not only gives you the law to obey, but God gives you the comfort to live it. Okay, this is very, very important. So that's why Christianity is so energizing. It's not like, if you go to, you know, Buddhism or Muslim, they, 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 they have laws too. Boom, boom, boom. Do this, do this. It's like, it's just a pure heart driving you discipline. No, no, no. Christianity is God gives you the comfort. Whether we realize it or not, I'm reading some of this stuff so that you know and now we can talk more. Whether we realize it or not, we need comfort. We need comfort because we are descendants of Adam and Eve. It's a very interesting, right? Being their descendants, we are, even if we are ignorant of it, in a condition of sin and misery. Okay, Our misery comes from Adam. Our misery is a result of sin. The sin came in through Adam because of Adam. We, we all inherited it. So if you have questions, just ask the question. Stop me and then you know, we can, I, I can answer if we go back to the early chapters of the Bible, chapter 1 and chapter 6 of Genesis, we read about the creation of man and then man's fall into sin. Adam and Eve sinned against God. Profound changes occurred. God drove them out of the Garden of Eden. They became sinful in character. Sin multiplied in the world. They became crime and lawlessness. You know, the Bible says uh, in Genesis chapter 6, before God destroyed the world, God said, there's not a single thought in man's mind that is not evil. Not a single one. That's how every thought of man is evil. Job. And God wiped them out. Killed everything. But after God killed them, I think his heart is grieved. I mean, again, human language, all right? That's why he put a rainbow that I would not do it anymore. 
I will not do it again. I'll guarantee you. God is covenant to know what is preservation. I will keep you alive, everybody, till, until my judgment comes in the end, all right? So the world became a dangerous place. And in the end, whether from violence, disease, or old age, people all finally died. We all begin to die after, after the fall. In other words, in just six chapters of the Bible, God tells us we lost something like heaven on earth. We lost it. Six chapters, all gone. And found ourselves in a world that began to resemble hell. Hell literally descended on earth because of that, of that fall of Adam. We will never understand the truth about ourselves unless we take full account of what happened. The world of today is better in some ways than the world was before the great flood that finally came in Noah's day. The reason for this is God has given us something to mankind since that time to restrain the power of evil on earth and to moderate the misery that is, comes from it. For one thing, God divided the human race by causing people to speak different languages. See, God, if God did not intervene after the fall of Adam and Eve, we'll be like Noah's day. God, uh, that means Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah's time is Lot and Abraham, right? Before Noah, uh, it's after Noah. Yeah, after Noah. Yeah. Noah, God wiped out. The second one, God wiped out two towns, not the whole world. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, this is very, very interesting. Sodom and Gomorrah, clearly, the men wanted to have sex with the angels, which are men, okay? So it's unbelievable, the things and how the world has changed and twisted it around. So in Genesis 11, men have become so proud of themselves, full of themselves. You know, after the Genesis 6, the flood, men begin to grow, multiply. And come to five chapters later, men say, we can do it. See, how dangerous to say. When you say, we can do it without God, don't ever come close to people like that. Okay, because that is exactly what happened in Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel happened because they think this humanism. That means human replace God. This is what the world is doing now. Right? They want to replace God in our school. They already done it, right? They took everything of God out. They took prayer out years ago. Now they go even further. They, America is the first country in the world, I think, in the passport, there is no sex now. Sex, if, you, if you're not a male or female, you can put X. Well, now I found out, they say there are a few other countries. They oh, they do? <laughs> I'm sure it's European, right? Yeah, That's where the, uh, what they call enlightenment started. They, 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 uh, enlightenment is all about replacing God with human science and wisdom. So I just want you to know, this humanism, because of this, there's now no complete unity in the, develop, in the development of evil. Different nations tend to compete in different power groups, the one against the other instead of uniting evil. Yeah, so God did on Tower of Babel is split the e demonic dark powers of darkness. Therefore, now the darkness power cannot unite and fight us because they're all divided by God. You know? So that is after Genesis 11. But you know what though? After, when it comes to the end time, Antichrist is going to unite the evil forces. Okay, so it's gonna, gonna, we're going to be facing one more time. And at that time, the Lord Jesus will come down and strike the devil. Yeah, the revelations. 
just have a yeah. question, but it's not, I don't know how much it's related. The angels in the Bible, do we ever have a female angel? I don't think so. Okay, but Doreen can answer something. <laughs> another question is, when we are in the kingdom of God, in heaven, is there still going to be girls and boys yes. and women? Yes, but no marriage. I know, yeah, but how, how do we know that there is going to be two different uh, sex in heaven? Because, because Jesus said, in heaven there's no marriage. That means yeah. there is man and woman. That's one. And also the second thing is there's no specific mention about changes. Specific mention is we will have a body, physical body, but a celestial body, different. But it's not just spirit floating in the in, yeah, in heaven. Gonna, I'm just, uh, <laughs> a new body. Yeah, new body. I wonder that that body. Well, that that body will not get sick. Will not get, and we will not kill one another. We will not like hate one another. We will not, you know, yeah. all these things. I'm just that so you. You believe the black body still have a male version? Yeah. Well, first of all, the Bible is silent about it. Second of all, by implication, there will be. Because Jesus said, in heaven, there is no marriage between man and woman. He said, just like the angels. Did he say Yeah, yeah. I think he did. He did. Just like the angels. But the angel only have one sex. I think it is neutral, though. Yeah, I, I, think, think so. I think that's gone. Yeah. We are in a very different sphere yeah. and our thoughts are just pure. So either man or female, yeah. we don't have that human feeling of like Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we have, we have that recognition yeah. when we're in heaven that, hey, like, this is a man, this is a female, and I'm attracted, oh, that's a handsome guy, you know? <laughs> I don't think we have yeah. that. I think yeah. our thoughts will be just purely very pure, I think. But if I look at before the, before the fall, right, before men, God created male and female. So maybe in heaven, there will be male and female. Because that's, yeah. we were supposed to return to the original yeah. form that God created yeah. before curse. That's a really good one. I mean, thank you for that. Are you familiar with the website called God Questions? I, 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 sometimes I, I saw that, but I don't know if everything they said is... Well, just put in the search uh -huh. engine. I know. I, 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 it's I, got I, like almost everything. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> okay, so, so you can do that. But I'm just want to say that whatever is a pre-fall, before the fall of Adam and Eve, that's what heaven is supposed to be. So it's man and a woman. All right, it's going to continue that. And also we have the body. Jesus has a body now in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but we will not have that. I think that the, the rest of it is just... Uh, we don't have enough information. We can speculate, but it would be a pretty good thing to say that because there will be no more lust, no more evil, no more you know, kind of, you know, that thing that's going on and all this stuff. Just like the Garden of Eden before yeah. Adam's fall. Yeah. I mean, Eve and Adam is in the garden. God created all. Yeah. But I think before their eyes are open, I don't think that there is that. <laughs> right? Before, before this fall, did God tell them to, to, to reproduce a, a body? 
commentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did say that. Yeah. So God is encouraged. Yeah. <laughs> he said, feel, multiply and fill the yeah. earth. Oh yeah. yeah. That's right after creation, right? That that God said to Adam and Eve, God said it to Noah, God said it to Abraham. It's it's a pattern, it's a fulfillment of the covenant of God. Feel the earth. And the other one, don't forget, rule over the world. Yeah. yeah. So so we, we are we are coming back to the, the the kingdom of God, we will be able to rule and reign with Christ, right? The Bible says. We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ one day. So I just want to encourage everybody that uh, this life is going to pass away. And we, we walk with God, enjoy God on earth. You see, Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So our job now is to bring heaven down on earth. Our job is to pray for kingdom of God to come on earth. So that means our testimony, our lifestyle. Don't make it people think, oh, Christianity is so difficult, so hard, so irrelevant. No, we want to bring it down. Uh, pray for the sick, you know, pray for healings and all this. Just to demonstrate God one way or the other. And also, be, now that I'm teaching you all this stuff, I'm not, God is so much in control. So you will not be discouraged. Sometimes you may go through, you know, get balanced by the world. You will. I will. We all will. But you know that our destiny, we're going to win. And they just go on. And you learn more too because, you know, your knowledge of of Christ can only grow when you go through this time, okay? So, so the reason is that God has given us some to, to different languages and all this stuff. So, God has also put the power of the sword in the hands of civil rulers in order to restrain men in the evil they otherwise do. It is for this reason we have police forces and national armies and navies to deter aggression. So, all these are set up allowed by God. You know? That's why we have to allow, we have to respect authority. Authority, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When there's a conflict between godly, you know, and the, you know, we would choose God. But if not, overall, gen general, we have to submit to the authority, etc. God uses these things to restrain, limit the development of evil. So basically, and like police and all those judges and all this to restrain evil. If you can imagine, if people defund all the police in, in Long Island, and can you imagine what's going to happen? You see. That's why we need this authority. God to come. This is to God to comfort us. You know, we need comfort as, as Christians to, to go through this. Uh, so God instituted the church in the midst of the world, but distinct from the world. We, God put this, the church in this world, but different from the world. So that people will know this is a very different, you know, organization and organism. Church is a, a life, not just organization. When the church is faithful to do God's holy work, it does much to retard the development of evil. You hear that? So when we are following God's word, our lives and what we, our prayer can change things on the outside. Can change things in the government, you know, can change things, and we will retard the move of evil forces. The world's not as bad today as it was before the flood. Okay, so... Last few chapters of Genesis are very important because it teaches what happened in that period of history before God introduced these changes to the world. So God permitted evil to develop to the full so that all people in subsequent ages might know how great man's sins and misery really are. This is a profound statement. 
God allowed evil to become so big so that you and I, the church people may know, may know how miserable sins are. And while we today can be very thankful that sin is not is somewhat restraining the world, we do need to realize from this scripture data that our human predicament is basically a desperate one. We are in a desperate situation. Just stop and think of the millions of people killed in war. Think of all those persecuted and tortured. Think of all the sufferings endured because of diseases. Think of all the crime misery from from it. And all this misery will depress you. We are desperate. That's why the church has even all the more mandate from God to do that. So, uh, what time do we stop here? Okay, 10 more minutes. Okay, let me go a little bit further. So these are the sad realities of life that we have to face with. Okay, uh, like on the surface, sometimes things may look very peaceful and pleasant, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of problems in every household. On the outside, it may look good, but every household has problems. Okay. Here's a, you know, he, this book is talking about like a widow, young widow, grief-stricken because the husband was killed. A, a few dogs away, father, mother distressed because the little infant was born with serious abnormality. And that the household is torn because of strife, fighting between husband and wife. Still another is a great turmoil because of rebellious teenager children. We, we face all this thing. We live in a very broken world. We're desperate. We need God. Is it any wonder the catechism speaks of our sins and misery as it does? Yes, the truth is that human predicament is tragic. We, we are tragic. We need to know that so that this catechism is preparing us you would be a light to the world. But the th- it goes, the amazing thing is that so many people, people are unwilling to admit that. People want to look good on the outside. They don't want to admit it. As a matter of fact, they do so many things to keep from facing the unpleasant truth. They get drunk, they go to parties, they take drugs, they escape to the fantasy world, TV, yet none of these diversions can change unpleasant facts. Is it true? People try to escape from the misery and the sadness of life. They get drunk. <laughs> this is like daily in, in, in a newspaper. And, uh, and it, even TikTok, I see them. They just get drunk to escape from the miseries. So our number one need is finally to face up to our real situation. That, and then we find the solution. If we don't face up to the real situation of problems or desperateness, we will never have a solution. First, we need to acknowledge and know that. Second, then we need to find the solution. That's why Catechism says that we must come to know three things. First, we need to know the unpleasant truth about tragic tragic situations. We need to know the tragedies first. Once we know that, we we uh, we can go to learn there is a solution. The solution is saving work by, by the Lord Jesus Christ. The solution to our tragic situations is redemption by the Lord Jesus Christ, saving works of Jesus. None of this, this is Heidelberg, right? So Heidelberg gives an outline, that the summary, what is our comfort in life? You will never know what is our comfort in life until you know that it's a, we have a desperate problem in life. 
first we need to know. So the assumption that we are miserable sinners, therefore we find we need to find comfort. The comfort is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our comfort. The finished work of Jesus Christ has completely redeemed us. He died. And he rose again. Okay? So so we need to we can so when we get that in our head and our mind, we will certainly be thankful for, for Christ. And there's so much that we want to live for Jesus. Let's put it this way. What is it that makes one a Christian? Is it not the simple fact that Christian has genuine comfort as distinct from the many counterfeits we see today? So counterfeits we talked about, right? Like getting drunk and TV and all this stuff, parties and all this. I think there's a good way to reach out to the people because everybody's running away from the miseries. But nobody has the answer. So the answer is found in two things that Jesus has done in me and he continues to do. All right? So this is the brief work uh, a little bit. Jesus a price, pay the price. As long as the price was not paid, I belong to Satan. You got that? If, if Jesus has not paid the price for us, we belong to Satan. So let it sink into your mind. I know it's kind of simple, but we never really look at it that way. Okay? This is the beauty of this, uh, you know, centuries of great wisdom that gone into it. Imagine that. You would have belonged to Satan if Jesus did not pay the price. That's why when Adam fell, he handed over everything to, to the serpent, to devil, to, the, to Satan. The, you know, everything is gone. And Jesus died and bring us back to what, what God. So once it's paid in full, I was no longer under Satan's control. The Bible puts it this way. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 to 15. That's why Jesus had to become flesh and blood. That's why Jesus had to share everything with us. Our sufferings, our temptations, everything, completely. And then through his death, he destroyed the devil. Okay, remember this. Through Jesus' death, he destroyed the devil. Okay, set us free. Alright? So, so then, uh, there is much that... Jesus exercised all authority over heaven and earth. And because of that, Matthew 20, 18, 20 says, Go and make disciples. Because the Lord is faithful, and He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. So that is a comfort. The Lord will guard you from evil. He does this by controlling everything in the world around us. And through the power of this Holy Spirit. So He is very much active at work. So he will not let the devil and the powers of darkness trip you. It may, it may harm you a little bit, but you, you will not be tripped altogether. So he will protect us. So the misery of man is great, but the work of Christ is still greater. That's the story, okay? That's to today's summary. Remember this. Misery is great in this world. But Jesus Christ, the work of the Lord Jesus is greater. So in the midst of sorrow, we can rejoice. That's why to say that Christians 
do not have sorrows, that will not be Christianity. We can rejoice in the midst of sorrow. We can do this because I belong, body and soul, like we say, now and forever to Jesus my Savior. I belong to my Savior. He promised to share His inheritance with us. Inheritance, you know, is all this that we can. Jesus has conquered death and He gives all this unto us. Death cannot hurt us anymore. Complete deliverance. I think we're done for today. Questions, please. Anything? So let me ask you, what does, what's the one thing that comforts you today through this catechism? Somebody. Jesus died for us. Okay, Jesus died for us. So how does that Jesus died for us comfort you? In what way? We what? We belong to God. Uh huh. Uh huh. So we we belong to God. Therefore, we 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 have been delivered from the destruction, and and God will take us. Yeah, inheritance, everything given to you. Okay, good. Anybody else? I think as Christians, as Christian, uh, knowing that you know we have Christ, uh, and He died, He basically overcomes sin and He overcomes death. We just two things. So he already take us out of sin and also overcome that. So I think as Christian, uh, we have no matter what circumstances we go through life. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, we we live in a world that we all struggle. Mm -hmm. you know, in the world and also within internally our family. But there is always hope because we believe in a God who's sovereign mm -hmm. who could change things around right, us. Right, right, right. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Sometimes I'm sad to think that how about our non-Christian brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. they don't have hope. So if they're in the same situation like we do, they really don't have hope. And, and that's why, you know, they would do things that is they thought is the way to solve the problem, right? Or we see things, people kill themselves, suicide, mm -hmm. or, you know, as you said, gambling, drinks, because they thought those are the things that give them assurance mm -hmm. and give them that relief and hope to get out for us. Right. A temporary time, but still, it will come back because right. they're not really out of that. Yeah. But I think uh, having Christ in us, we have that hope, and God not only changed circumstances, He changed lives, He changed, He transformed lives, which is very evident even throughout the Bible. Mm. How He has changed, or He He uses people that we never thought He would use, you know, and He did transform them. Right. So all those miracles is a proof. Amen, amen. You hear that? <laughs> That's what I want to build into each one. This catechism is, is excellent, you know, catechism. And together, Sunday sermon. Yeah, so that's why all the more your non our non-Christian friends, when they struggle, they go to drinks and go to parties, and, and they try to escape. They're not a, they cannot find solution. They can give them temporary escape. You know, it, it will not be the real solution. In fact, they get into real more and more problems. So all the more is an opening door for us to share the real answer and, and our own testimony to them. I'd like everybody to do that to your non-believer friends and invite them to come to church, come to a small group. You know, that's the way we're going to spread the gospel. 
I don't think that spreading the gospel is standing in the supermarket giving out tracts, you know. That, that can do, but I don't think it's going to be very effective. The best is you know them and talk to them, share like what, what Gina just said, for example. You know, we have a hope. Why? Even we go through hard times. Christians do go through hard times. But we have a hope. How do we do it? Yeah, something like that. Anything else? David? David's really in need, man, I can tell. It was... Yeah, I feel like being a Christian with us, we have to hope. So we know that our ultimate goal when we die in heaven, that's the ultimate hope that we have. So I know that a lot of people are afraid of dying. Yeah, that's another big topic, you know. So if we have the hope, then we are not going to be afraid of dying. Even my, my, I have brought in Malaysia also. You are Malaysian, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, he, he was, he's a Christian, but he was kind of laid back. So at one point in time, he had this uh, uh, anxiety, he, like, some kind of sickness inside, and he was so afraid of dying. But then eventually we all pray for him. At that point in time, he, he kind of like almost prayed to God, cried out to God, mm -hmm. and now he's okay. Mm -hmm. And then that really changed him, also changed his whole perception towards God. Mm -hmm. he, he now has hope, he now has like, he feels like he's very, he, he's like, he knows that eventually everyone will die. Mm -hmm. And we all have hope. He's a Christian now. He, he's all of his Christian. Ah, okay. All of, all of like, it's like uh, backslided. Up and, and down. Up, up and down, down, up and down. Until this thing struck me. Right, right. That, and then he kind of changed his, his total mentality right. towards God. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. He knows that eventually we'll have sickness, eventually we'll die, but right. we have a hope. Yeah, yeah. Have comfort there. Right, right. That's really good. Death is a really big subject, you know. Uh, you know, so we need to, we can share with our friends how we approach it, you know, because we have a hope beyond the death. That's really important. All right, so uh, anybody else? Uh, Johnny, anything mm -hmm. on your side? Nothing in particular. Uh, okay. Uh, it's not just that when we die, but even now, like, no matter what we're going through, mm -hmm. God is in control and He's with us uh, through, through everything. Yeah. Use this word to encourage one another, the Bible says, you know. As you gather together, encourage one another. We are very forgetful people. So when circumstances are trying, it can, we can rock us out of perspective a little bit. So that's why we need brothers and sisters, friends in the community to encourage one another. You know, that's really, really important. So do keep coming to church and go to... Uh, Come to small group. You know, there is no small group. You know, um, women's here once. Have you started your monthly women's group? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very. How did it go? Good. We, yeah, uh, we sung. It's, it's. You like? It's a. Uh, it's uplifting. It's relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We 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 want to encourage more ladies to come. So I was saying. Grace and sharing 
you know, you know, we wish if we could, we could, we can structure into our church service as a pre-arranged testimony from individuals. In my previous church, we do that. Like come up and share like two minutes, just two minutes of what God has done in their life. But pre-screen, for example, by you know, and so, if there's a thing that God like, this is a good testimony. I think if, if because. Because nothing encourages people more than hearing from real life experience. This is called testimony. Teaching is one thing, but test. Oh, you can. If Ming comes out and share, you know, my, you know, the group was relaxing. It's good, and and uh, and all this. It's just do life together. That's really wonderful. And I, next time I come, maybe uh, maybe you can share a couple of minutes on the on, on the, the, on the, on the front about about what this more. Oh, Gina, Gina, do you go well, to I'm the? Not a <laughs> I'm going to make you all stage people, right? Stage persons, one by one, okay. if I'm going to continue here. But okay, so this is good. You know, I mean, I like to have some testimonies, two, two minutes, short one, and a share, you know. That's really good. So think about that, right? Okay, that's good. Uh, anything else, John? So, uh, your name is uh, Yen. 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 Yuan Yen, yes. Yeah. Yen, anything Yen? <laughs> Your Yen is like Yen zi, the Yen zi. Yeah, the little bird. Little bird! <laughs> yen. <laughs> so now. What's the shallow? Uh, yeah. What's the shallow? Right? Yen. The yen zi, okay. That's an expensive, they make those. Uh, <laughs> 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 huh? Bird's nest, you mean? Bird's nest. Bird's nest, uh, oh, yeah. No, they don't. They, they don't have bird's nest in America, right? We don't have it. No, they, it's imported. Yeah, we, we 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 have bird's nest in Malaysia, in Nia Cave. In our, in the, it is really amazing, and it's supposed to be inter, uh, what do you call it? Uh, intricacy, yeah, expensive, expensive stuff. That's it's good. Saliva. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. You can imagine. It's it's very nutritious, apparently. Okay, so what we do, we're gonna close in prayer. Thank you, everybody, for coming and. Uh, do be encouraged and, uh, you know, trying to reach out to friends and encourage you all. David, you know, let me come to prayer. So do come pray to connect in a Google Meet, uh, you know, whatever way. Just be involved in serving. Lord, let's pray. Thank you, God. I pray for your, for your grace. And what today what we talked about, Lord, you protect the church. You comfort the church. Lord, you, 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 so that we are not shocked. We're going through hard times in this world. Oh, Lord, we, so you want us to know it is a hard world. It's, it's a desperate world, and people need the light of God, Christ, oh God. Lord, you have provided a solution. Your death on the cross and your resurrection gives us hope and solution to this world. Help us, oh God, to share the gospel so that people don't get drunk and escape and parties, oh Lord, to, because of the miseries of this world. Thank you, Lord. May your strength and joy be upon my brothers and sisters, all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord has blessed you today. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. Oh. Hi, welcome to the English Congregation in the Abundant Life Church in Hicksville, Long Island. I'm so glad you got a chance to visit us today on this website. 
I want to tell you the greatest news,、uh, the greatest mystery of God that each human beings needs to hear, and must hear, and get to know about it and make a decision for himself or herself, because it concerns the entire life, the destiny of your life, and it's that important. For thousands of years, prophets have prophesied about the sufferings and the glories. Of Christ, and who is that? You see, in First Corinthians chapter one and chapter two, chapter one, chapter two to twenty-two says, chapter one twenty-two says, Christ is the power of God. It says that for the Jews seek miracles and signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Greeks. But for those who are called by God, Jews and Greeks, and all nationalities, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That is the message. Why is Christ crucified? We preach Christ crucified, while the world is looking for some signs and miracles and wisdom words on the how-to manuals to get our lives together, to please God and get to the heavenly bliss. But Son of God, not a guru, not a prophet, the Son of God Himself, Jesus Christ, came to this world. And crucified, and God crucified on the cross. That is the message of salvation. If you want to be saved, that's a man. That's a message. The message of crucifixion of Jesus and His resurrection. That's the most crucial things in this world. Three things. First, He incarnated into the world as God, Son of God, into this world. He became a man. So He He's a man, God, both human and both divine. He lived 33 years in 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 Israel. And for 33 years, he lived a perfect life, healed the sick, cast out demons, preached the kingdom of God, restored women, and restored the sight of the blind, and everything. And he preached the kingdom of God is here. His kingdom is spiritual. And then, after 33 years, perfect life, and he got crucified. He got condemned. Of course, Romans could not crucify him. Without the consent and the agreement and the power of from heaven, from God Himself. So the question is, why did God, the Father, allow and proceed to for the crucifixion of His Son, which is instigated by by Satan through one of the Jesus disciples, Judas Iscariot? Why? The answer is that this is actually pre-planned. This is actually the plan of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has to die on the cross. To pay for the sins of the world, for the sins of mankind, whoever believe in him shall be saved and have eternal life, but not destroyed. And Jesus was destroyed on the cross for three days. He was dead for three days, and he rose, resurrected by the power of God. Today, that is our hope. When we die, we got immediately resurrect our spirit to be with God, the Father, and our Son, the Son of God, Lord Jesus Christ, in heaven. That is the hope. That is the message we are preaching. That mystery, that wisdom of God, Christ crucified, the wisdom of God, 
and the power of God, that is the mystery that kept secret for thousands of years. Even angels long to look into it. That is the message, the mystery of God. Welcome to English Congregation in Abundant Life Church Hicksview. May the Lord bless you.